Hey all you gamblers, sports addicts, and overall degenerates. You're listening to the Angry Degenerate Podcast. Your one-stop shop for sports hot takes and primo gambling picks. And now, the voice behind the laugh heard round the world. <laughs> the Angry Degenerate. And welcome to the Angry Degenerate Podcast. I am your angry degenerate, Michael Alexandre. This is episode 23 of the podcast. It's actually more so like episode 25. I had a couple emergency pods. But for logistical purposes, episode 23 of the podcast, the last episode of the year. Now, I know towards the end of the year, I had been slowing down a bit since about October-ish. Took a little bit of a break. Then there's been weeks I've been on and weeks I've been off. Last week was a week that I was off. You know, last week was a little bit different. Um, My kid's school had a COVID outbreak. So I had to send my son home. And then we found out it was kind of a false alarm. So regardless of the point, it kind of messed up my podcast release schedule and I like to release these things out on Wednesday just so everybody knows it's Wednesday 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 and if I don't release it on Wednesday I kind of don't want to release it because I I want people to be fixated to know that Wednesday is the day that the Angry Degenerate podcast it will be released I just want to get that stuck in people's minds so if it's not coming on Wednesday then it's not going to come at all I mean you'll obviously see me on social media I'll update you that it's not going to come this week this and that at the end of the day this is a side project of mine I enjoy doing the heck out of it I enjoy doing the whole social media thing I enjoy doing interacting with people on social media shooting the shit talking the shit but at the end of the day I'm not getting really paid that much from this if at all I do have a an official sponsor now but you know that that's not a lot of uh, uh, Benjamins coming in. So ultimately, you know, family and work uh, comes first. But enough of that. I hope everybody had a great Christmas, great holidays, great Xmas, whatever you want to call it, great Hanukkah. Um, but, you know, since I did my last episode, which was two days ago, I mean, a lot of things have happened in the sporting world. I'll get to that in a second. I'm going to, as usual, during NFL season, I'm going to be talking the NFL. So I'm going to be touching on a little bit of uh, hot topics on the NFL. But before we get to that, I want to just kind of touch on some subjects in the greater uh, sporting world um, that I have missed and some things that I just kind of want to talk about. What I have missed, Urban Meyer got fired. And this podcast was a staunch proponent of that. As you know, I talked about way too much Jacksonville Jaguars football than I actually wanted to, but that's just because Urban Meyer was just a fucking train wreck, an absolute train wreck, a shitstorm of a hire, a terrible hire. Um, This show has been a proponent of his firing dating back to, you know, even prior to when he stayed in Ohio to uh, dance with some chick and let his team go back to, to Florida. What a moron. Um, the recent news is that Trent Balky, a former 49er fame, you know, the guy that kind of started leaking information that kind of got Jim Harbaugh fired, not a very well-liked guy in NFL circles is my understanding. 
seems like he's weaseled his way into staying on as the GM. And I don't know if that's quite a good thing for the Jaguars because if he's not well-liked and he's going to be the boss, who's going to want to work under him? Now, there's been some rumors out there. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to interview Todd Bowles. He failed uh, as a as a head coach before, but he's kind of had a rejuvenation of his career with Tampa Bay. But, I mean, who doesn't fail in, with the Jets? Robert Salah's finding that out right now. They're going to interview Dan Quinn, who's got that Dallas Cowboys defense humming. And a name that I think they should hire. Well, let me go. There's a few other names. Uh, Doug Peterson, apparently. Uh, he's going to be a head coach this year. I'm kind of thinking he should be the Raiders head coach, to be honest. And they're going to interview Jim Caldwell. The only man, seemingly, to have a winning record with the Detroit Lions. That could be an interesting low-key hire. But the guy that I think they should hire is Byron Leftwich. Look, he already has history with the franchise. He was a former starting quarterback. In fact, he was a starting quarterback under Jack Del Rio when they actually went to a couple postseason appearances. Don't quite think they ever won a postseason game, but he's has, you know, that he's been there in that organization. And he's now a successful offensive coordinator with Tom Brady under Bruce Arians. He has that history in Florida. He, I think, would be the perfect hire for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, they might want to go the safer route because Byron Leftwich has never been a head coach, so they might want to go Jim Caldwell. They might want to be Doug Peterson. But I'm throwing my endorsement in for Byron Leftwich for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And now I am done talking about them. Hopefully that is the last time I talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars until they get a new head coach. Um, In terms of other head coaches news, Matt Nagy is going to be fired. We all know that. Who's going to be his replacement? No idea. I would like to think they could get a offensive head coach in there that can call plays. Matt Nagy is supposed to call plays, but he never called plays in his career in the past, so I'm not quite sure if that even counts as a head coach that they hired that called plays. He's been terrible. They need to get the most out of Justin Fields. Very talented player, just playing with a brain-dead play caller. Mike Zimmer, I gotta believe he's gonna be fired. That team just has way too much talent to be playing the way it does. They lost again this week, pretty much solidifying another non-postseason appearance for the Vikings. I gotta think he's gonna be out. Matt Rule is another guy that I think should be out. There was a lot of hype about him. Obviously, he came from Baylor, getting paid nine to ten million dollars a year. David Tepper, their owner, hired him as his first big move. It's been kind of a bust. They haven't, as an offensive guy, which is what he is. They haven't been able to solidify that. They don't have a quarterback. They got Sam Darnold in there. He showed a little bit of promise through five weeks. Then he became Sam Darnold. Shitty quarterbacks will always show their face. Sam Darnold did that. They tried to replace him with Cam Newton. Did not work. That PR move failed. Matt Rule is like 10 and 20 in two years. You got to think David Tepper, a guy who's very aggressive, a guy that was very aggressive in the stock market. That's how he made his money. You got to think he's going to make a move and fire this guy. Um, I just don't see that 
Carolina Panthers team improving. In fact, they just laid a humongous egg this week. It looked like they just absolutely gave up. It doesn't look like they know what they're doing at the quarterback position, which is on the head coach. They're having Cam Newton play. Then they're having Sam Darnold play. It's just a clusterfuck there. They fired Joe Brady. My inkling is that he's not going to get fired, but I think he should. And I certainly think the Carolina Panthers will be one of those teams that will be looking for a quarterback, possibly Deshaun Watson, has history in North Carolina, of course, playing for Clemson. Hey, who knows? Maybe they can get, they can go the Clemson route, get old boy Dabo there, and bring in Deshaun Watson and make a reunion. Who knows? That would be interesting, but another college edge coach with zero experience coming into the NFL. I don't know if that's going to be the play there. Uh, Other news is Joe Judge is staying, which I think is incredibly dumb. I mean, Joe Judge has done absolutely nothing to improve that football team, in my opinion. They look the same. They look downrodden. They look terrible. They have no offensive imagination. They fired Jason Garrett. They put in Freddie Kitchens. They're still terrible. Now, I understand the quarterback got hurt. But apparently Daniel Jones and Joe Judge are coming back next year. You gotta think they need to bring a quarterback in there to compete with Daniel Jones. Maybe a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo can go to New York and win that job. There's been rumors that Russell Wilson could be a guy. We shall see. It's going to be very interesting in New York. But certainly speaking, I don't think Joe Judge is going to be the answer to their questions they're going to fire their GM David Gettleman which means they're going to get a GM there is the GM going to want to keep Joe Judge ultimately Mara the owner has final say and apparently he thinks that Joe Judge is their Bill Belichick that Joe Judge is their Bill Parcells (laughs) I don't know where they see that the guy you got to win football games in this league and he hasn't won football games and they're looking bad doing it And Daniel Jones is just not the answer there. He sucks. And Saquon Barkley certainly was a big miss. Uh, His injury obviously, you know, played a factor in it. But you look at him play and it's just like a guy, second, you know, second overall pick. He doesn't, he's not going to get another contract, is he? I would hope not. Not not at least with the Giants. The Raiders job's going to be open, and I'm going to get into the Raiders a little bit later, but I don't think Biscacchia has a chance to keep the job unless they make the postseason, which at the moment they got an 18% chance. It is a chance, and the Raiders are 8-7. and seven. Who would have thought that? I thought they were dead five weeks ago. They are still playing hard, which you know can be put on the head coach, perhaps uh, Biscacchia, but... Thinking, I'm thinking of Las Vegas. I'm thinking you need to make a big splash. Not a John Gruden type splash, but a guy that can actually coach. I'm thinking the guy for them is Doug Peterson. That's the guy I would put in there. A guy that has won a Super Bowl in this lifetime. A guy that has won a Super Bowl, you know, not too long ago. Um, And uh, I'm thinking Doug Peterson would be the best option. I hear Dabo, Dabo, because he had, you know, they have a lot of Clemson connections in Vegas. I guess Carr's a big fan of Dabo. They got Renfro, and and the Raiders have a few Clemson players, but I just 
that's too risky of a move in my opinion after you know that John Gruden experiment I think you need to go less risky you need to get an offensive head coach a Doug Peterson West Coast offense type guy would be my call there and lastly the Texans job might open up but you know the Texans have been playing well down the stretch Davis Mills their quarterback has actually been the second best rookie quarterback in the NFL this year behind Mac Jones he's look he's been looking pretty damn good third round pick out of Stanford and they've been looking good as of we as of late they beat San uh the Los Angeles Chargers this past week they beat them bad it wasn't even close they play San Francisco this week if they can get a victory against a San Francisco team desperate for a victory to get into the postseason I don't think David Coley leaves I think he stays uh, but the way the Houston Texans are, he's just so unpredictable. That franchise is another one of those franchises, kind of like the Jaguars were. What are they doing? You just never know what they're doing. The other news uh, that I missed, apparently, Jake Paul apparently is kind of somewhat maybe a real boxer, question mark. I mean, he did knock out Woodley. Woodley... Oh, you know, he's past his prime. But Woodley ain't no joke, man. People are saying the fight's fixed, possibly fixed. But what I do know is I think the Jake Paul, uh, his, his 15 minutes of fame may be up. Because I just looked at the recent pay-per-view buys. 65,000. That is pathetic. Which means he went from apparently... The rumors are he had over a million pay-per-view buys uh, when he fought Woodley, uh, when he fought Ben Askren. Now it's down to 65K. That means the stock is trending downward. And when the stock is trending downward, you better get out because it's only going to get worse. Now he's still making waves, challenging Dana or Dana White challenging him to a drug test because he always claims Dana White does coke, which he does. But... What a strategy this Paul guy does. Constantly challenging people that are under contract or past their prime. I want to see him fight somebody real. In fact, I was listening to Chael Sonnen's podcast about he was going to fight Fury. Tyson Fury's brother. I don't even know his damn real name. Tyson Fury's brother was undefeated. But I was looking at the records of the people that his brother Fury fought. I think Fury fought a guy that had a record of like two wins, uh, 99 losses. <laughs> that guy's not a legit boxer. You got to believe that he left that fight because he knew and didn't want to get embarrassed that he knew Jake Paul was going to beat him. Say what you want. The guy's 23, 24 years old. He's a rich little white boy living in Puerto Rico. He's dedicating himself to the boxing thing. But when he gets in there with a, you know, an actual real boxer that's not Tyson Fury's brother, that's not Tyron Woodley. He's going to get his ass whipped. I want to he keeps calling out these MMA guys that are under contract knowing that Uncle Dana ain't going to let him out of the contract. I would like to see him fight George Masvidal, Nate Diaz. I think those two guys would actually beat the fuck out of him. Won't happen unless their contracts are done. But I want to see him fight a real boxer. I even want him to fight Anderson Silva who has proven that he can actually box. He actually beat a real boxer, if you kind of call him one, I guess. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., which, by the way, is on the rumor list for Jake Paul. Uh, 
man. What of Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I'm not a big boxing guy, but I even know that that guy is a fucking joke to that family. What a world we live in where Jake Paul can possibly be considered uh, a real boxer. On another point, good luck to all of y'all in your fantasy playoffs and championships. I think this week is probably the championship games or third place games if you weren't lucky enough to win, be in the championship. I actually won a championship game last week. I'm in a championship game this week. I'm also in another third place game. So I got a couple of things to play for. I'm excited for that. Uh, NBA... I saw something on, on online where NBA TV ratings have been getting beat by these obscure college football games. These college football games are a, these bowl games are a wreck, man. You're having you're seeing play play uh, teams call off games hours before kickoff due to COVID. You're having teams playing without their starting quarterback who's not playing because he doesn't want to rest, you know, risk his draft status. You're talking about teams that are playing without their head coach because their head coach got fired or already moved to another team and entire coaching staffs, staffs are wiped out. I mean, it's just a mess. And you're seeing that in some of these games where they're just... You're, I, I, I just saw a Mississippi State team which is an SEC team, which is an up-and-coming SEC team under Mike Leach, get demolished by a Texas Tech team without their starting quarterback who went into the transfer portal. These games are so unpredictable, and yet they are dominating the NBA and TV ratings. I mean, we're talking about these college football games getting double the amount of what the highest-rated TV ratings for the NBA during this time was, which I think was a Warriors game. They're getting even nationally televised Laker games are getting outbeat by the Music City Bowl, for example, or the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. It's just asinine, which goes to show you that football is king in this country. <laughs> I mean, the NBA, NFL is number one, NCAA football is number two. And now that the NFL is moving into Christmas Day, those ratings aren't out yet. But I fully expect that Green Bay Packers game versus the Green Bay Packers versus the Cleveland Browns game to double, if not triple, the output of some of those Christmas Day games that the NBA put out. That's just the reality, um, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon because now that baseball, which I'm getting to right now, is still not back and they're being forgotten because they're in lockout. That is quite possibly the dumbest thing they could have done. This is going back to like 93, 94 times. Baseball is already a sport that is struggling to gain a following, to gain an audience. And now, during a pivotal time in the offseason, when you could be pushing out content, pushing out information about free agent signings and this and that and trades and all this type of stuff, they're at a halt because... The owners are being greedy and the commissioner's an idiot. It's asinine. And I expect this to probably go on into spring training. We don't even know if spring training is, is happening. And for Major League Baseball, no news is bad news. Because if you're a sport that is already struggling to gain an audience because the, the games are too damn freaking long, not being thought about is even worse so I fully expect people to tune out once baseball comes back, in my opinion. And 
It's just a shit show. It's just an absolute shit show. Rob Manfred should be fucking ashamed. He's in contention for my dumbass of the year, which I will do next week. There is no dumbass of the week this week. I'll do my dumbass of the year next week. Recapping my dumbass of the 2021 calendar year. No dumbass of the week this year. Speaking of college football, which I've just glanced over. The college football playoffs this week is this week. We got Alabama versus Cincinnati. The darling. The Cinderella story. It would be interesting to see Cincinnati keep it close. I think the spread is at minus 13 and a half at the moment. Uh, with Alabama favored, of course. It would be cool. I, I think they could uh, possibly keep it close. But I just don't see Cincinnati winning that game. You got to think the Crimson Tide are going to be in the national championship. But I do have an upset in the other game. I think Michigan and Jim Harbaugh will handle business. Georgia has a bit of a COVID problem. And I think you take Michigan plus seven and a half. And I think they win outright. And you're going to see a Nick Saban versus Jim Harbaugh national title. Maybe I might be have my... Rose tinted glasses on because I love Jim Harbaugh and I loved him back with when he was with the 49ers. So maybe I'm, you know, just picking him because I like Jim. But it would be great to see Alabama, Michigan in the national championship game versus seeing Alabama just steamroll Georgia again. Um, and lastly, before I get to the ad and before I get to my hot topics of the day of the NFL. Rest in peace, rest in power, John Madden. Um, he passed away at the at 85 years old. They had just released the All Madden documentary on Christmas Day, which he had a part in, in which I hope he had a chance to see the final product, to see all these legends, quarterbacks, defensive players, commentators come on and talk about what an impact John Madden had. And here's the thing about John Madden. And... You've made it in the world when you're synonymous with not just, you know, he wasn't just synonymous with being an NFL football coach. In fact, that might have been the least thing that he was synonymous with. He was synonymous for being one of the best commentators of all time along Pat Summerall. He was the guy that Fox hitched their wagon to when they kickstarted football on Fox and back in the early 90s they hitched their wagon to John Madden and Pat Summerall and they revolutionized commentating in the in the sport of of football I mean and then of course how can you even forget he essentially has the highest sold game sports game of all time with Madden Madden NFL little kids like myself grew up on him in the 90s they didn't you know, the catchphrases, boom, tough acting, ten acting. You know, all these commercials that are ingrained in your brain from the 90s. John Madden had a play a part in. John Madden had a play in, a part in scribbling on the screen. John Madden had a play in naming the 49ers Empire. He named them the 49ers Empire, the fan base, the 49ers Empire. Obviously, you have the Raiders Nation, but the 49ers also have an empire. Uh, uh, a nation, so to speak, but it's called the 49er Empire. He is the one that named that. I mean, if there's a guy that's ever synonymous with NFL films or synonymous, synonymous with the Oakland Raiders, it's John Madden. He 
I still believe to this day is the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. And that's the thing that he's least known for, being a head coach. It's it's crazy. And he was a pioneer in terms of civil rights. He was a guy, along with Al Davis, that said in the late 60s and early 70s, that said, hey, we are not going to go play in cities that are having that are allowing, you know, our black players to be changing in other facilities and that type of thing. He was a guy, I just was a pioneer in multiple facets of the sport and the world. He's an icon. When you're able to trailblaze in multiple industries, you're an icon. And especially in this new age when you just hear people getting canceled left and right, you know, you have never heard one person say one bad thing about John Madden. I have never, ever heard one person say one bad thing about John Madden. And that is something to be applauded in this day and age. I mean, I have, I mean, I, I have nothing. It's crazy. The old, and I'm not that old. I'm only 30. But the older you get, you start seeing your kind of your childhood heroes either get older or start passing away. And uh, John Madden is definitely a guy that I grew up on with the Madden football games and just hearing him as a commentator on with Pat Summerall on on Fox and then kind of moving over to to Monday Night Football for a bit on ABC, I believe. And I think he even started Sunday Night Football along with Al Michaels uh, before obviously Chris Collinsworth took over. And and he's just been a pioneer and. Um, I'm glad he got to get into the Hall of Fame. I thought it was so stupid that it took them that long to get that man into the Hall of Fame. And when you think of the NFL and you think of those old NFL films, the autumn wind is a raider, you think of John Madden. And rest in power, John Madden. Um, Interesting transition here, but this episode is brought to you by Rep Sports. You go to Rep sports.com r-e-p-p-s-p-o-r-t-s.com anything you order on that website whether it be creatines proteins pre-workouts muscle stacks shaker cups whatever you want you'll get 15 percent off by using the code the angry degenerate which is the name of this podcast i'm not a big fan of energy drinks i've said that in the past and i had their raise energy drink with zero sugar before my workouts and I felt great. And when I feel great about something, I'm going to talk about it. And that's why I'm talking about it here. It tasted good. Zero sugar. Zero jitters. Once again, you go to repsports.com. R-E-P-P-S-P-O-R-T-S.com. And you use that code, AngryDegenerate. You'll get 15% off of everything. And that's my corporate shill for the day. Need to pay the bills, folks. <laughs> But let's move on to the uh, top news stories of, or NFL news stories of the week. Will the real Mac Jones please stand up? Look, in the last podcast that I recorded, I said, I don't trust, we need to pump our brakes on the New England Patriots because we can't trust them when they play from behind. They don't have enough offense on that team. And I, in the last two weeks, have been proven right. Because in the last two weeks where Mac Jones has been put into situations where he's playing from behind, the New England Patriots have not looked that great. 
And it's looking like now they're going to be placed in the wild card versus winning the division because the Buffalo Bills, all they got to do is win out. And they got the division due to tiebreakers and blah, blah, blah. But Mac Jones, he's been pretty impressive this entire year. But he's been pretty impressive and not making mistakes. And for the most part, New England has been playing ahead. So when they're playing ahead from ahead, you know, it's easier to mask some of these deficiencies that Mac Jones has because he could just hand the ball off to Stevenson, to Damian Harris, to Bolden. But when they're playing from behind, that requires him to air it out. And let's be honest, they're not too talented at the wide receiver position. They got Aguilar, they got Kendrick Bourne, serviceable guys, but they're not great. And then at the tight end position, which they invested a lot of money in, they got Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Both quality guys, but they don't have that standout wide receiver, which you do not need. But it seems like the New England Patriots only have one way to win, which a lot of the teams who are kind of in this 8-9 win category kind of do is play good defense, run the ball, take out the clock. If they don't do that, they're in trouble. And we've seen that the last two weeks against the Colts and now against the Bills. So will the real Mac Jones please stand up? They got an easy uh, schedule this upcoming week. They play the Jags. If they win that game, they're pretty much solidified to have a wild card. And then they finish off with Miami, who's been quite on, on quite a streak as of late, and that's not a guaranteed win. So they absolutely need to take care of business this week against the Jaguars, which I figure they will. But Mac Jones is a little bit of a concern, guys. And uh, we'll see what happens. Moving on, the Kansas City Chiefs, they have officially clinched the division. Remember when people were saying that they were dead about seven weeks into the season? And me on this podcast and I'm wrong a lot but I'm also right sometimes I said hey pump the brakes they're not dead yet when you got Andy Reid and when you got Patrick Mahomes and when you got Tyree Kill and when you got Kelsey you're not dead and one thing that they did was improve their defense and boy did they improve it and that's been kind of like a a linchpin in terms of firing up that team and rejuvenating that team but they won the division. It worked out for them. It, if they win out, they get the number one seed, which is crazy because if you think of it, that means that for the most part, if they get that number one seed, Patrick Mahomes, I don't think, has ever played an away game in the playoffs. Now, I could be wrong about that. Maybe that New England Patriots game that they lost to a few years back. Maybe that was an away game, that close game where D Ford was offsides and it kind of fucked it for them in the AFC title game. But for the most part, the Kansas City Chiefs have been ruling the AFC and they now are in prime position if they went out to get the number one seed when people said that they were dead. They won against the Steelers in different ways, which I thought was interesting because they didn't have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He got hurt. And I guess he escaped the collarbone injury that they were fearing. So he might be day-to-day, and he's going to miss this week, but he'll be ready for the postseason. They miss- Kelsey was not there because he had the he was under COVID-19 protocols. Tyreek Hill was there, but he did not play well. I got to think that 
he was feeling some effect from the COVID because what I've been noticing is these players that play after COVID, they ain't the same. So, especially for the first couple weeks. So all the people out there saying COVID's a joke, COVID's a, you know, if you got these prime premier athletes who are struggling after coming back from COVID, you know, pump the brakes, fat man sitting on the couch. Um, but they beat the Steelers. They wrecked them bad. Like, they beat them bad. They pretty much knocked the Steelers out of playoff contention. They're still kind of in it. A lot of teams are still in it. But they won in different ways. I think I saw a stat where um, Patrick Mahomes threw it to nine different receivers. We're talking about Hartman. We're talking about Pringle. Pringle had two touchdowns. So they were without Kelsey. Tyreek Hill wasn't a factor, and they still went out there and beat the crap out of the Pittsburgh Steelers and that's impressive because when you think of the Chiefs you think of obviously what I just said Clyde Edwards Alaire you think of Tyreek Hill you think of you know the three-headed monster Kelsey they didn't need those guys they relied on other guys and they were still able to demolish a pretty decent team they play the Bengals this week who you know the Bengals have something to fight for if they win this week the Bengals win the division, and the Bengals are playing at home. And the Bengals are coming off a game where they demolished the injury-ridden, COVID-ridden Baltimore Ravens. They beat them bad. Burrow had like 525 th- passing yards with four touchdowns. Trust me, I know he was on my fantasy team. But that'll be a tough, t- a tough game for Kansas City, but Kansas City will have all their guys back. I would expect Kansas City to win that game, but you just never know which de- which team will show up in terms of the Bengals. Sometimes they have these like amazing games, and sometimes they shit the bed. But the Bengals got something to fight for because they want to win that division, and I'm sure they don't want to get stuck into a place where they need to rely on other teams to lose or stuck in a place where they need to re- rely on themselves to win in the last week of the season to confirm themselves. They want to win this week to secure the division. So, very interesting game this week. Perhaps, possibly the game of the week or one of the games of the week. Moving on. Tua. Tua Tagovailoa. Me included. I have talked a lot of shit about Tua. And a lot of it, to his credit, is not his fault. It's just... Justin Herbert was chosen over him. And they made that decision in Miami. They chose Justin. Her- they chose Tua over Justin Herbert. Now you see what Justin Herbert's doing with the Chargers, and he's actually kind of struggling as of late. But when you look at Tua and you look at Justin Herbert, I, if you, you know, paneled thirty NFL GMs, I'd guarantee that all thirty would say that they would take Justin Herbert over Tua. But that doesn't mean that Tua's bad. It's just he's not Justin Herbert, and that is what he'll always and forever be compared to. And then, of course, you had that thing last year where they were kind of taking, you know, benching him for Fitzpatrick, and then he kind of sometimes gets injured. They had that tough start to the year where he got injured, and they started, what was it, one, one and four, one and five, one and six? I don't know. Now they've gone on to win seven games in a row, and they're at eight and seven, kind of still in there fighting for a playoff position. And he's playing decent. In fact, I saw some statistic now that, you know, through his first 18 starts, he's has a pretty decent track record. 
Now, what does this all mean? Does this mean he's going to be the solidified starting quarterback next year for the Dolphins? I don't know. The Dolphins seem to have a wandering eye. It seems like they want to improve at that position. But, you know, I think that hate on Tua has been, you know, kind of uh, shushed down a bit because he's been coming out and playing, and the Miami Dolphins have been playing well. Now, when I watch Tua, does he really impress me? I saw him in that game against Miami make one really bad interception against the New Orleans Saints, make one really bad interception in this seven-game winning streak. They've probably beat not one good team or one good team with a winning record. But at the end of the day, you got to beat who's in front of you, and the Dolphins have been doing that, and Tua's been doing that. I watch him play, and I just he doesn't have a strong arm. He makes some wacky decisions. But he does enough to win. Is he certainly gonna perhaps be on that be that game that quarterback that's gonna win you games just with his arm? Probably not. He's probably gonna have to rely on his defense a lot to or Miami is. But he's certainly not a terrible quarterback like everybody was projecting him to. But he's certainly just not Justin Herbert. It's a very weird situation there in Miami, and. Um, it's kind of calmed the waters there now that they're 8-7. and seven. They're, they're going to revisit the quarterback situation in the offseason. You're going to hear a lot of news. And it was funny a couple, was it a, a month ago or five, six weeks ago when Tua made a comment was like, I was told that I am not the, the quarterback that's not, and that I am not going to be the quarterback for next year. Something stupid like that. And he's having fun with it. He knows that he's under the ringer. And he knows that he needs to play well. But uh, I'm just excited for him. Because he's been getting a lot of shit. And now that they're winning. It's calmed the waters. I want to see what's going to happen in the offseason. Certainly speaking. He's not the problem there in Miami. But is he really the solution? That's the thing that they have to evaluate there in Miami. Is he going to be the solution? Is he a guy that's going to turn into... Because when you drafted him at number 6, 7, or 8 overall, I don't quite remember, you're thinking this guy's going to be, you know, top 10 quarterback someday. I don't think he'll ever be that. Justin Herbert certainly is and will be. And that's something they got to evaluate and see whether, you know, they can live with. We see teams that... I think we've established that you need to have a quarterback in this league to win Super Bowls. The 49ers are going through it right now. They have a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo that can do just enough and have and if your defense is just good enough, you'll get into the postseason. But then you got to rely on the bad decision making and the just the inconsistency in play. And that's kind of where I put Tua in, very inconsistent from week to week. And he needs to rely on his defense, but he certainly does not make the boneheaded decisions that Jimmy does, which is a plus. And moving on to my other topic, the Bills. Speaking of a team that a lot of people had marked as dead after that loss against New England, and then they had that tough loss against Tampa Bay, and people were saying, well, are they even going to make the postseason at 7-6? and six? They were clinging on to the last postseason appearance, their last wild card. And with some luck, I mean, well, not with some luck. I mean, they had some help with some teams losing. And then now they've gone on a streak where they now look like that team that 
can compete with Kansas City in the postseason because you look at their advanced metrics and you got all the stat nerds out there that talk about advanced metrics. Their advanced metrics are fantastic. In fact, they are outscoring their opposition to a point where it compares to those Bills teams of the 90s where those Bills teams and their you know rapid-fire offense, their no-huddle offense, were outscoring the hell out of teams on a weekly basis. They're doing that this year, but they've also laid some eggs. They lost against Jacksonville. They had that egg against New England. Um, you know, they lost against the Buccaneers, but it was by a touchdown in overtime. They were playing from behind. They've had some of these, like, egger games where it got them to be in that position as having the last wild card where everybody expected them to win the division outright with ease. It hasn't been easy. It's been very tough. But it certainly looks like they are now back into being that contender that everyone is playing, it was was hoping. And they got a pretty cake schedule coming up. They play the Falcons. They play the Jets. That's conceivably two wins. That'll get them to, you know what, 11-6 and six now, which would be enough to win that division and probably be a number two seed or three seed in the AFC, which means they would get a home game home games up until they play possibly Kansas City. Uh, the NFL is a roller coaster of a season, and the the Buffalo Bills are just another team that went through that roller coaster, the ebbs and flows of the season. Speaking of ebbs and flows of the season, the Raiders. There has been probably no team in this league, in ever perhaps, that has had an ebbs and flow a disastrous season to being on the highs and the lows and the highs and the lows and the highs and the lows like the Raiders. You're talking about a team that for the third year in a row went, you know, got off to a hot start. I'm talking about, I think they were what, six and three at one point, six and four perhaps at one point. Then they have a losing record. And then you're counting them out. You have guys, you have a head coach that's fired mid season. You have one of their most talented wide receivers, you know, kill somebody with the DUI. You have David Arnett. Uh, they released a former first-round pick for you know, threatening to kill somebody. You have a special teams coach as your head coach. You have you know you're getting criticized left and right for your draft moves. Your first-round pick this past year, Alex Leatherwood, is not very good. And despite all of this, despite all of this, they go on a two-game win streak here at the end of the year. They beat the Browns. And then they beat the Broncos, who don't have Drew who have Drew Locke and are shitty at offense. And now they're eight and seven. Eighteen you know, they have an eighteen percent chance to make the postseason. They're probably gonna need to win their last two games against the Colts and the Chargers. But they still got a chance. And I criticize the Raiders a lot. But this is a testament to whatever's going on in that locker room. They're clearly together. They're in it together there. They got a solidified locker room. I don't know if this would be possible under John Gruden, to be honest with you. I don't know. I have no inside information, obviously. I'm just a talking head. I'm just a moron talking about sports with the podcast. But... It, it wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it if 
John Gruden was not liked in that locker room. And, you know, with all these things happening, it brought the guys together. And they're playing out there for Biscaccia, and they're they're in it. And with two weeks remaining, the fact that they're still in it, despite all the things that have happening, that have happened, that's impressive. And I don't give credit to the Raiders that often. That is impressive. Kudos to them for doing that. Now, it's still a long shot to make it to the postseason. They don't have an easy schedule. They play the Colts, who might actually be without Carson Wentz because he's unvaccinated and he needs to test negative on Sunday. If he tests negative, if he tests positive on Sunday, you're going to see Sam Ellinger as quarterback for the Colts, which means the Raiders have a possibility of winning that game. I would say if Carson Wentz was starting at quarterback that the Raiders would not win that game and they're playing at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. But, uh, you know, the Raiders have a chance and then they're playing the Chargers and the Chargers from week to week, they just, I just don't know what kind of fucking team that is week to week. So the Raiders got a chance here and um, even if they do not make the postseason, you still got to give credit. You got to think of this team as being a team that's in a weird place right now because they're not going to, I I, unless the Raiders make the postseason, I don't think Biscaccia, even if they make the postseason, I don't think Biscaccia will be the head coach. I've got to think they got to f- hire like an experienced guy, an offensive guy, a Doug Peterson. you got to keep Derek Carr. And uh, from there, I don't know if you keep Mayock. I don't know if you fire Mayock and then try to get a, a new GM in there, a new voice. Because, I mean, the pick... The picks that Mayock were making along with John Gruden, they just are not working. They haven't worked out. I don't know if they want to go on for a full rebuild. I don't know if you need a full rebuild, but the Raiders are just in a weird spot right now. And what's making it even weirder is that, you know, that they're contending for a playoff position. So if they, you know, finish the season and they just lost out and, you know, after the whole thing that happened, um, you know, if they lost the rest of their games or were losing a vast majority of their games, you would say, okay, they need a rebuild, reboot. They need a dumpster fire to the entire thing. But they're in a weird spot. That kind of reminds me of like the Falcons. Uh, just in a weird spot. More talented than the Falcons, of course, because they actually have a, a quarterback that is in a dinosaur and can win you games. But these next two weeks for the Raiders will be very interesting. Speaking of their opposition... The Colts just have a vibe to me. And the 49ers had this vibe two weeks ago until they got smacked down against Tennessee uh, of a team that could just go on a run in the postseason. Like, they're not going to win the division because they started off slow and Tennessee went on that run and Tennessee beat them twice, so they hold the, the, the tiebreaker. But they just give me a vibe of a team that they can win a couple games on the road, I feel. Especially with... You know, their quarterback, who, say what you want about him, who's actually might not play this week, as I mentioned, because he's unvaccinated and, you know, he has to go through the protocols and blah, 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 blah. But he, this past week, after getting some criticism against the Patriots, where he only threw the ball like eight times, he came out to play. And if you look at his stats, it's like 25 touchdowns and like eight interceptions. Carson Wentz has had a decent year and it's kind of been put off to the side because he's had a couple of weird games where he's fumbled the ball a lot, not keeping the, not pass, not, not 
keeping the ball in his hands and just, you know, not protecting the ball is what I'm trying to freaking say. So he's had some, like, eh games, but he's also had games where he's thrown two, three touchdowns. And it's not like he has a great wide receiver core along him. He has an old, you know, T.Y. Hilton and, you know, Michael Pittman's good. You know, their tight ends don't really impress me. But when you have a running back like Jonathan Taylor, why would you not just feed Jonathan Taylor the ball? That's what you should do. You run the ball, and then you pass the ball off the run. That's football. And you play good defense, which the Colts at times do. But they just give me a vibe of a team that could go on a run. But they also give me a vibe of a team. And then this is when I'm going to smack down Carson Wentz. Because it also gives me a vibe of a team where Carson Wentz, if you rely on him, if you get behind in a game and you have to rely on him, I'm not sure if we're at this point yet in the Carson Wentz rejuvenation of a career that you can rely on him to win games. Last week, he looked like a guy. He looked like the like the 2017 MVP version of Carson Wentz. Two weeks ago, he looked like the guy that the coaching staff did not trust. Which Carson Wentz will show up this week, if at all, against the Raiders? That's the problem that the Colts have at the moment. Which Carson Wentz will show up? And But if the good Carson Wentz shows up and the good Jonathan Taylor shows up, this team could go on a run, guys. I'm I'm putting it out there. Moving on. Quickly, I want to touch on the Washington football team, the WFTs, not the WTFs, although this past week was a WTF performance against the Cowboys. They lost something like 56-14. I think at half it was like 49-7 to or something crazy like that where even their own players were fighting on the sidelines. They completely laid a dud on national on the national stage. And I don't know what to make of that because I really like Ron Rivera as a man, as a guy that's been through at Riversity. I love a guy that who has a nickname of Riverboat Ron, a guy that just wants to risk it all and you know tr- have trust in his players. A guy that I feel like kind of shouldn't have probably been fired from Carolina. Had cancer last year. Had Alex Smith as quarterback. Went to a playoff last year as a division winner. Kind of was the only team that gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a struggle. And uh, this year has just been a, a wild year for them. Wild in a bad sense. A lot of organizational dysfunction uh, in that team. They didn't have a quarterback. I mean, obviously, they had Ryan Fitzpatrick. He gets hurt week one. You put Taylor Heineke in. He impresses for some weeks. But like I've been saying, a backup quarterback will always show his face. And Taylor Heineke has done that this year. Great backup quarterback. He should not be a starting quarterback in this league. I just get the sense that when you lay down like they did against the Cowboys, against a rival like the Cowboys, something is going on internally in that clubhouse. And I don't know what it is. The defense has played terrible all year, which is supposed to be their strong suit. They went out and got a free agent signing in Curtis Samuel, who was supposed to be alongside scary Terry McLaurin. He's been hurt all year. You just look at 
and then Logan Thomas got hurt all year, so they just have not been healthy all year, but so have a lot of other teams not been healthy all year, and so have a lot of other teams had COVID problems. They lost Chase Young to an ACL injury, but their defense was not even playing good with Chase Young there. When you roll over like that, like they did on the, on the national stage, it's going to make you question the head coach. It's going to make you question the entire operation. Now, I'm not saying that Ron Rivera is going to get fired or anything. I think he's the guy to right the ship, and I certainly don't think you can fire him after they won the division last year. They need a quarterback in there. And the draft, as we know, is not going to be strong for quarterbacks, but they need a trade for a quarterback. I don't know if that's a Russell Wilson I don't know if they get a Jimmy Garoppolo to compete with Taylor Heineke. I just do not know. Maybe they draft the quarterback and have him compete with Taylor Heineke. I don't know if they go out and get Deshaun Watson. You know, there was talks earlier in the year that Jalen Hurts could have been a guy on the trade block with Gardner Minshew in there. Maybe they look at Gardner Minshew as a guy that could potentially solve their problems. I don't freaking know. There's so many permutations out there. All I know is that the Washington football team needs a freaking quarterback. I think if they get a quarterback, that team will be solid again. In fact, I think I had them winning like eight, nine games this year. Finishing second in the division certainly can still happen, but it's just not looking good for them. I think... I think they absolutely need a quarterback. Speaking of Jalen Hurts, which I just brought up, the Jalen Hurts haters, they need to chill. There's a lot of Jalen Hurts haters out there. A lot of guys that I listen to on podcasts hate on Jalen Hurts. I never got that hate for him. I see him as a multidimensional quarterback, a modern-day quarterback. Does he have flaws? Yes, he has flaws, but he's a young freaking quarterback. The pro- I mean... Think of this. Who the fuck is he throwing to there in Philadelphia? Outside of Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith, who weighs 170 pounds soaking wet, their wide receiver core is not very talented. Now, what they've been doing there in Philadelphia and doing it to a T and playing smash-mouth football is running 200 yards a game using Jalen Hurts, using Jordan Howard, blast from the past, using Miles Sanders, using Boston Scott, that four-headed monster. And that's been working great for them. They're a tough-nosed football team. And those types of football teams, to me, are the teams that I respect because they run it down your throat and they're telling you that they're going to run it and they do it anyway and they still are getting yards out of it. I love that. And that's what they're doing. Sirianni was getting a lot of hate. I think in my predictions earlier in the year, I think I said, hey, you guys might think this Philadelphia Eagles team is a 3-4-5 win team, but I have them as more of a 7-8-9 win team. And they're right now at 8-7. And, and they started off the year, what, 2-4? and four? They're looking pretty good at the moment. Will that meet, will pretty good mean a playoff position? If they went out, certainly it will. Um... And, you know, they own the tiebreaker against the 49ers. Even though the 49ers beat them, it goes into, like, these crazy permutations. Eagles are... Now, do I think the Eagles are going to win a playoff game if they make it? I do not know. You know, it'll be matchup pending. But they're certainly a team that can play in bad weather because they can run the ball. Interesting team to look for. The Broncos... 
Vic Fangio came out this week and says he thinks he deserves another year, and I'm more inclined to believe that. I think what the Broncos have shown this year is that they're they're kind of another Washington football team, in my opinion, with a better defense. They need a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater does just enough and relies on his defense and relies on his running game, and that's what had the Broncos, you know, kind of somewhat alive in playoff positioning now that I think I don't know if he's been ruled out for the entire year Bridgewater but certainly you cannot win games with Drew Locke that offense is absolutely abysmal Pat Shermer should be fired I know that Broncos country out there is clamoring for that Drew Locke was a big miss for John Elway yet again at the quarterback position a big uh, L for me this year was I thought Drew Locke should have probably been the starting quarterback this year for the Broncos. Man, if that happened, I think they would have been surely a 3-4 win team and Fangio would have been canned sometime mid-year. But they stuck on with Bridgewater. He's been okay. He's been doing what he's assigned to do, which is don't force the ball, don't make turnovers, hand it to your running back, and you know let your defense do you're bidding. And, you know, the Broncos' defense is fucking legit, man. You, I saw them against the Raiders this past week. They looked great. Their offense, on the other hand, abysmal. You know, I still think they should have went out this past offseason. I know the draft is eons ago, but they should have probably drafted a, a quarterback. But they got a pretty good guy there, Patrick Sertan. He's a fucking guy. And uh, he'll be a guy in this league for years to come. He's not getting the same clout as Diggs there in uh, in uh, with the Cowboys because he's not getting as many interceptions. But that guy's a guy. Uh, they just need a quarterback. Who that quarterback will be, I have no freaking clue. Maybe they could go into the next year with Teddy Bridgewater. But, uh, you know, very interesting when the GM gets put into play. His first year was this year. He's stuck with Fangio. Is he going to want his own guy in year two? You got to think the Browns, the the Broncos defense is doing well because of Fangio. Uh, Fangio's one of the best defensive coordinators we have seen in the last 10, 15 years. So you got to think they just need an offensive guy. They need a quarterback. They need somebody that's not Pat Shermer. They got a running game. They got the wide receivers. They just need a quarterback. Is Bridgewater going to be that guy for next year? I know I know he has a contract. Will he be that guy? Maybe they draft the guy to compete with them. I don't know. Many teams are facing this dilemma next year, which is why I think they should have drafted a quarterback, but that is a conversation for another day. Speaking of quarterbacks, what the fuck is going on with Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers? Man. If there's ever a team that can't get out of their own fucking way year after year after year is the Chargers. If if there's ever a team that has had the amount of talent at quarterback in their history and never won a Super Bowl, it's the Chargers. Think about this. They have they've had Dan Fouts as quarterback, never won a Super Bowl, went to a couple AFC title games, never won a Super Bowl, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Then they draft Drew Brees. They don't win with him then they get Philip Rivers they don't win with him another Hall of Fame quarterback we're talking now three Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row and you don't win a Super Bowl with them and then you're talking about 
Now, Justin Herbert, who's on the track to probably make the Hall of Fame if he continues on this trajectory. I know it's year two, but I look at the stats and I look at the way he plays and I'm like, hey, this is a guy. But for some reason or another, and partially this is Herbert's fault because he's been a little inconsistent in games, but he still puts up that stat line. Brandon Staley. The young up-and-coming head coach, the media darling, the guy that people were hyping up as to be the next great head coach because, you know, he's an analytical genius and, you know, he had that Sean McVay defense humming last year and blah, 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 blah. Their fucking defense, granted, they had injuries this past week, fucking gave up 41 points to the Houston fucking Texans and probably a must-win game for the Chargers. That was absolutely criminal abysmal. And, you know, I hate when the league or people anoint people. They're anointing Herbert, and I'm guilty of that. But they anointed this guy, Staley, as this new, up-and-coming, you know, next-generational guy. The fucking Chargers, to me, look like the same fucking team under, under Anthony Lynn as they were under... Uh, Mike McCoy, as they were under whoever the fuck the head coach was before then. It's just, it's a team that has constantly hyped with so much talent, and they just can't get out of their own way year after year after year, despite head coach's turnover. It's, it's, it, you look at the players on that team, and you're just like, it doesn't make sense. Her, you have Eckler, you have Herbert, you have Justin Jackson, you have... Uh, Keenan Allen, you got Joey Bosa. It's just like, what the fuck is going on here, guys? And uh, they're clinging on to a... They might not even make the postseason. Who knows? It could be the Raiders over them. That crucial Week 17 game, Week 18 game might be the decider. I'm just at loss of words at this Charger team. They're constantly gifted quarterbacks in their history. And they just can't get out of their own fucking way. Their head coach is a fraud. But you know what? Speaking of frauds and fraudulence, the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> now, I'm getting a little bit of ahead of myself here. But, you know, when I looked at the schedule this year and I said I had, I had uh, the 49ers losing this game against the Tennessee Titans. A short week going all the way to Tennessee... I had that as an L. So I certainly don't hold that against the 49ers for losing that game. It's a tough game to win on the road against a pretty damn good team. Let's be honest here. The Colt, the 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 uh, Titans are going to be in the postseason. And they got a good head coach. They got a good defense. They got a fantastic wide receiver in A.J. Brown. But the 49ers had an opportunity to make a statement this week on going on a short week and solidifying their playoff position, putting their hands to using their hands to solidify their playoff position. Now they're going to need help because now they for sure have to beat Houston this next up next upcoming week and now they're going to have to do it with Trey Lance at quarterback perhaps for the rest of the year including playoffs if they get there. Now this might be a blessing in disguise because this was going to happen anyway and you might as well fast track the process now. Were the 49ers going to win a postseason game even with Jimmy at quarterback? 
Hard to fucking tell because you never know which fucking Jimmy Garoppolo you're going to get on a weekly basis. Are you going to get the Jimmy Garoppolo that, you know, had the highest QBR in the last six or seven games? Or are you going to get the Jimmy Garoppolo that threw two asinine interceptions against the Tennessee Titans that essentially accounted for what would be the loss in the game? These were two interceptions that were criminal. One was in the baby zone, which was in the end zone, which would have put the 49ers ahead, I believe, 14-0. And probably the way the defense was playing would have killed off the game. He throws an interception. And uh, he also threw another interception that led to either a Tennessee Titans field goal or touchdown. Now, I'm not going to blame Jimmy for everything. Our second, The 49ers secondary is a complete mess. If you get a wide receiver that has any sort of size or any sort of talent out there, he's going to get, he's going to beat Josh Norman and he's going to beat Avery Thomas. Which, by the way, Avery Thomas, I'm glad he's getting experience now. But that experience should have happened way earlier in the freaking season. I think that was a bad decision. Uh, I think he has some talent, but one thing, and you can point to my podcast earlier in the year where I said it's a big mistake that the 49ers are going in to this year with a secondary so uh, thin on depth. You were essentially relying on Emmanuel Mosley being... A great cornerback, and he's been good when he's been on the field. When he's been on the field, which has always been the 49ers' problem, he has been injured for the vast majority of the year. And also on Jason Verrett, who's had one year where he has been healthy in like the last five years. Jason Verrett got hurt game one. We had to sign Josh, they had to sign Josh Norman week two. And Josh Norman, I'll give him his credit, he's been okay, but anytime he comes up against a wide receiver with any modicum of talent, he cannot keep up with them. And it happened with A.J. Brown, and it's going to happen against anybody in the postseason. I mean, look at it. If the 49ers play the Cowboys, they're going to have to deal with Michael Gallup. They're going to have to deal with Cooper. They're going to have to deal with Lamb. They're not going to be able to do that. If you look at Tampa Bay, if they play Tampa Bay, they're going to have to deal with Mike Evans. They're going to have to deal with Antonio Brown. I don't know if they can do that. Where they might get a little lucky is if they somehow finagle themselves into a, a p- playoff position. If they finagle themselves into a playoff position, because I still have my doubts. They need to get, they need to win this week against Houston with a backup quarterback, which they should be able to do. But knowing how the 49ers have been this year and how hot and how cold they have been, you just never know. And with this NFL season and the unpredictability, you just. Never know. You, The Houston Texans could come into Levi Stadium and beat the 49ers. Now, where the 49, now, if they handle business this week against the Houston Texans, you can start kind of thinking about the postseason. And because if they win this week, it will take an a act of God to get them not to make the postseason, even if they lose against the Rams. And, and now, where they might get lucky here is... If they play the Arizona Cardinals, I think round three, they can take and beat the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals are going on their yearly streak of struggling in November, December. And they're going to be without DeAndre Hopkins. And now you'll say, well, the 49ers lost to them without Kyler and without DeAndre and without Chase Edmonds. Yeah, they did. But that's when the 49ers were at their absolutely lowest 
point in this year, and like I said, this NFL season has had its ebbs and flows. And I think that the 49ers can beat the Arizona Cardinals. And I think that's probably the only matchup in the postseason that they could possibly win. I do not think they can go all the way to Tampa Bay and beat them and beat Tom Brady, who I know is gunning for the 49ers. And I don't believe the 49ers can beat the Dallas Cowboys. If they get the Arizona Cardinals, there is luck. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is the topic of conversation this week because he got injured, which means he has a torn... Uh, it's like a, a nerve in his thumb on his throwing thumb and we've seen quarterbacks play with this in the past we've seen Matthew Stafford play with this in the past we've seen Brett Favre play with this in the past this just in Jimmy Garoppolo is not any of those guys Jimmy Garoppolo does never plays through pain and let, and and let's understand one thing here folks I don't expect him to he knows he's gone at the end of the year and Let's say he plays and he injures his hand even further. Who knows? That could have career-long bad consequences for him. So if he wants to play it safe, knowing that he might get traded or released and might have might be in contention for a starting job next year at a, on another team, he should do what's in his best interest. But... Like I said, this might be... You could see it on two sides of the coin for the 49ers. It could be a blessing in disguise where you kickstart the Trey Lance era sooner rather than later and already get him ready for uh, next year. Or it could be, uh, you know, a bad thing because now you go into the playoffs with the quarterback that doesn't have experience and, you know, is going to be essentially thrust into the fire late in the season when he's barely played at all. And uh, the 49ers are placed in a very precarious position. But eventually the kid was going to have to play. The 49ers traded three first-round picks for him. He was going to have to play. And you might as well give him a shot on a long break against a pretty subpar team in the Houston Texans. And guess what? If the 49ers do not beat the Houston Texans, they do not deserve to be a playoff team game set match it's incredibly interesting to me how the NFL media look at the 49ers and the Raiders in such different viewpoints because they both have the same record but yet the 49ers are thought of as highly uh, thought more highly of than the Raiders now if the Raiders were in the 49ers spot and in the NFC they would be in playoff positioning the 49ers would not in the AFC it's just the luck of the draw. But uh, I will repeat, if the 49ers cannot beat the Houston Texans at home on a long week, they do not deserve to be a playoff team. Game, set, match. Speaking of the NFC West, Seahawks, Russell Wilson, and Pete Carroll. What the hell is going to happen there? Uh, I, I think I read a report where they're not going to get rid of either. Now, certainly speaking, if Russ says, I want out, they're going to have to explore that. But the rumor out there is that they will not fire Pete Carroll unless he retires himself. Now, can they force him into retirement? That's a possibility. But, you know, people forget the Seahawks are coming off our one year off of being a division champ. They won the division last year. They won the NFC West last year. This is their first losing year 
with Pete with uh, with Pete and Russ. Now, this year has been quite terrible. Despite the finger, the thumb injury, Russell Wilson just doesn't look the same. And he hasn't quite looked the same, in fact, since like middle of last year. Now, I don't know if that's... I don't know what it is exactly, but when he just doesn't pass the eye test. I look at him play. He used to be so nimble in the pocket, able to move around and make these fantastic gra- throws. He's not able to do that anymore. He's not as agile anymore. That could be age. He... I don't know what exactly it is, but he just doesn't look as good anymore. I saw him, uh, you know, throw up some bombs to DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, if you would have said last year, hey, DK Metcalf versus AJ Brown versus Debo Samuel, both second round pits, picks in the draft uh, four years ago, three years ago, you would have absolutely said DK Metcalf was the steal of that draft. Now, now, I mean, you're thinking, I mean, now Debo and A.J. Brown have surpassed him. I mean, I I, I just don't know what to make of, of this uh, Seattle Seahawks team. I don't think that they are far away from being contenders again. Their offense is just not in sync. And apparently their offensive coordinator who came from the Rams, Russ was the guy that specially picked him. And there's been this little thing going on. Usually when you have a star quarterback at your position, the offensive coordinator that is aligned with that star quarterback usually gets a head coaching job or gets all this recognition. Every single offensive coordinator that has been under Russell Westbrook has... Their career has spiraled. You're talking about Brian Schottenheimer. You're talking about Daryl Bevel. You're talking about... Now, this Waldron guy, he never... It, it's always the coordinator's fault and not Russ's fault. I think it might be time to start looking at Russell Wilson as the problem. Is he... Is this a guy that you can trust for three, four more years? He doesn't look like the same guy to me. And the thing that made Russell Wilson Russell Wilson is that he was able to get out of messes, let Russ cook... He's not able to do that anymore. Maybe that thumb injury, or maybe there's another injury that we're not quite seeing that's not being let out to the public, but the thumb injury should not affect his ability to get out of the pocket and in space, and he's not able to do that anymore. And to me, that's a big concern going forward. He's a guy that I can see being traded in the offseason. Will it happen? I do not know. Speaking of a quarterback that doesn't pass the eye test, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, man, you look at his stat sheet year after year. It's always something like 30 to 40 touchdown passes, five picks, eight picks, under 10 picks. And I, I, uh, I just, you know, he doesn't quite pass the eye test for me. He hasn't quite passed the eye test for me for quite some time. He, he constantly, you know, makes mistakes, stupid mistakes. And those are mistakes that quarterbacks, that get paid the way he does should not be doing. And, you know, Mike Zimmer obviously is going to get a lot of that blame for the Minnesota Vikings' downfall. But I think Kirk Cousins deserves a lot of that blame as well because they are not, they got a lot of talent on that offensive side of the ball. You're talking about Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, Dalvin Cook, you know, Mattinson as a backup running back, um, Conklin at tight end. They got talent there, but they're just never able to, you know, play 
to their potential. That obviously goes on the head coach, but is Kirk Cousins ever going to be that quarterback that's going to lead you to the promised land? Never. It's not going to happen. He just he just doesn't it just doesn't he doesn't pass the eye test and he's certainly one of those quarterbacks that has the stats but he's not able to, you know, play when it matters. And you know who kind of uh is kind of like that but not to as big of an extent. Matthew Stafford. I'm not going to touch on him this week, but I'll touch on him another week. My last thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, the Browns versus Steelers, which I believe is a Monday night football game this year, and I believe it's going to be the knockout game for both teams. Both teams are, you know, I believe they're like seven. I think the 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 Steelers are like seven seven and one or or something crazy like that. Certainly, if they lose, that's the end of the era for Ben Roethlisberger. There in, I mean, the, I think they'll be mathematically eliminated. They're in last place right now. Cleveland's in third. One of these teams, if they win, they'll still you know go into the last week of the year with playoff hopes. Um, but certainly, the team that loses, they are out. I got to think that the Steelers playing at home after getting beat like a drum by the Kansas City Chiefs, I got to think they'll have a little bit of motivation, hopefully. They're going to be without TJ Watt, but I hope that they have a little bit of motivation, especially after the Browns knocked them out of the postseason last year to possibly knock out the Browns out of the postseason contention this year. I'm thinking that's might that might happen, but I read a crazy stat this year where it's like, they're getting outscored in the first half by like over a hundred points, and that's like an NFL record. The Steelers just do not play well in the first half. They're not prepared. And I know I keep hearing things about the Steelers and how, you know, Tomlin might I don't think they'll fire him. I don't think they can do that, but I think Pittsburgh Steelers fans are getting tired of his act there. Um Ben's on the way out. I don't think they quite prepared enough to have a guy in waiting um, there in in uh, Pittsburgh. So once Ben goes, what's the answer? They're going to have quarterback problems just like everyone else. And going on the other front, the Browns, Baker Mayfield is horrible. And there's a report out there that uh, they're going to bring in a quarterback to, to, um, to compete with them next year. So what that tells me is that they're going to go into the last year of his contract, which is the fifth year. And then they're going to think about paying him after. Maybe, friend, who knows what's going to happen there. Maybe he's a trade candidate. But I saw that game on Christmas Day against the Packers. He was the reason why they lost. He's just bad. And he's not even that... And I know he's injured, but he's not even that good when he's healthy. So are you going to pay this guy $50 million? I would say hell to the no. Um, And I think that front office is thinking the same. At this point in time, the way he's playing, why don't you just play Case Keenum? Why not? Just do it. He can't be any worse, can he? I mean, the the bad positioning, the, those picks that he threw that game against the Packers were the reason they lost because they were very close to winning that game. They need to feed Nick Chubb the ball more, and they need to stop relying on um, on uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, as I said earlier, there's going to be no dumbass of the week this week, but next week I will have a dumbass of the year. So I will have my last segment of the year for the 2021 calendar year right now. Here are the Angry Degenerates picks of the week. (laughs) 
And now, the Angry Degenerates Picks of the Week. All right, my picks of the week. When I restarted doing my picks of the week, I was uh, four and three two weeks ago. Or, yeah, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever the hell I last did it. Now, I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I have ten picks for you this week. So my picks of the week are Wofford versus Tottenham in the EPL. Over two and a half goals at minus 125. I have Crystal Palace draw no bet at home versus West Ham at plus 125. I got Wolves versus Man United under two and a half goals at minus 105. I have Michigan college football plus seven and a half at minus 115. I have Oklahoma State plus two and a half against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. I got Eagles minus three. By the half a point, it's at minus three and a half against Washington football team at minus one, two, five. I have the Miami Dolphins. I'm riding the wave at plus three at Tennessee at minus one, ten. I have Kansas City Chiefs versus the Bengals over 50 at minus one, ten. I have Steelers plus three and a half at home versus Browns at minus one, fifteen. And lastly, I have the Ravens at plus three and a half against the Rams now let me repeat it and let me give you my logic Wofford versus Tottenham over two and a half the reason why is Wofford since um, they got a new manager Claudio Ranieri each of their games for the most part maybe Sands one has gone over two and a half goals Crystal Palace why I'm doing the draw no bet versus West Ham Instead of a straight, uh, you know, just money line victory. Because I'm really lines like that, plus three something. The reason for that is, is that Crystal Palace has been playing well as of late. And West Ham has a lot of injury problems and they have not. In fact, they have lost like something like four out of their last six games. Um, so I like to draw no bet simply because... You know, mid-level, mid-tier EPL clubs. I'd rather have that security blanket. Wolves versus Man United under two and a half goals. My reasoning for that is Manchester United has not been scoring as well under their new manager. And uh, Wolves just doesn't give up goals. In fact, a lot of their games go under two and a half goals. Uh, Michigan, like I said earlier, might be a little bit of a homer play just because I like Jim Harbaugh. But I have this slight feeling... That plus seven and a half, Michigan to uh, they might uh, they might actually win outright. Who knows? Um, I got Oklahoma State plus two and a half against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. Notre Dame has a new head coach. They have a lot of players that are transferring out of the because of the transfer portal, and then there a lot of players are missing due to um, uh, wanting to play for the draft. So, and, I, you know, personally, I just like the way Oklahoma State played uh, this year. And I think giving them two and a half points on a neutral ground is um, is uh, in their favor. Eagles minus three. Uh, do I really need to explain that? 
because the Washington football team is a joke and the Eagles are hot right now. I got Miami plus three. Similar mindset. Miami's hot right now. I'm going to keep riding the wave. Kansas City Chiefs uh, versus Bengals over 50. Two teams that could put up points. The Bengals put up points this past week. The Chiefs put up points this past week. You combine them together. I expect big numbers unless the weather's off. I did not check the weather report. So if the weather report is off, then I'm still sticking by the pick. But, you know, bet wisely, uh, of course. Steelers plus three and a half at home versus the Browns. You heard me talk a lot of shit about the Steelers uh, on this pod. But I think that they're going to have some motivation to end their season on a high note and take the Browns out of the playoffs, similar to how the Browns did to them last year. And I think it might be Ben's uh, last home game. So also interesting. I'm kind of regretting this one because I forgot about the Ravens and all their injury problems and and the fact that they don't have a secondary anymore for the most part. But I I picked the Ravens at home plus three and a half against the Rams. You know, it's a team that's fighting for the playoffs. The Rams are already guaranteed a playoff position. They're not guaranteed the division. So they're also going to be playing hard. But I don't know. This Ravens team with Lamar back plus three and a half at home to a Rams team that's going to travel from a dome stadium on the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. Um, I, I like uh, I like the Ravens in this spot. So Ravens plus three and a half. And that's uh, the podcast this week, folks. And that's the podcast for the year. This is uh, officially episode 23, but I've done a couple of emergency pods uh, for breaking news or what have you. So I think in total it's been episode 25 or 25 episodes. I started this excursion back in, what was it, March, uh, March, April, May, when there was like kind of nothing to talk about. I was going through NFL uh, takeaways and you know just kind of NFL predictions all the way in March, April, May. Who I mean, and and back then I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I still don't know what the hell I'm, I'm doing. I'm just, you know, talking. I talk a lot. I figured I'd talk on this podcast and give my point of view. I'm not right all the time. I'm not wrong all the time. Sometimes I'm, some weeks I'm more right than other weeks. But the way I look at it, I'm giving my take. The teams are the ones that are responsible for making the correct decisions. They're the ones that are getting paid. Whatever I say is what I say, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I, I shouldn't be held liable. I'm just a talking head. I'm a moron talking about sports, talking about, you know, things that I enjoy watching. Um, and and uh, I hope um, the folks listening to this that you have, you know, joined me on with this ride. This is a small production. I record all this by myself. I hope next year I bring on, you know, maybe a couple co-hosts, maybe more sponsors, Maybe get this thing going bigger. And uh, I hope, uh, you know, you guys continue to follow me on social media. Continue to follow me here. Continue to, you know, be a friend, tell a friend. Like uh, my Pat McAfee show says, it's, uh, you know, this thing can only grow if folks like you help me by pushing this out there to a wider audience. And uh, certainly speaking, I am appreciative to everybody that has given me feedback and giving me advice and and uh, certainly speaking I'm grateful to those that actually care what I say uh, about the sporting world care what I actually say that actually means the most to me uh, the, if you didn't care then 
this will not be a good time for me. But, uh, you know, I see some of the interactions on TikTok. I see some of the interactions on IG. It seems like people generally generally are interested in my content. So I'll keep pushing that out. And um, thank you for being along for the ride. And uh, I was going to say Merry Christmas, but Merry Christmas already passed. So happy holidays. Happy New Year. I uh, will see you all next year. Hey, thanks for listening. If you had a good time, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review as well. And follow at the Angry Degenerate on Instagram and TikTok for all the latest updates, hot takes, shit talking, and of course, some high quality grade A trolling. Until next time. (laughs) 